The gathering with Roger B. occurs monthly in Wyzetta, Minnesota. Attendees are 12-steppers, those who have been affected by another's addiction, and some who are simply interested in improving their personal level of life satisfaction using a variety of spiritually-based tools. It is also used as a tool for study groups nationwide. The gathering's talks are generally tied to one or more of the 12 steps, but are always guided by spiritual concepts, principles, and ideas common to most faiths. Topics are drawn from a variety of sources, the 12 steps, many of the well-known wisdom texts, science, and other teachers that speak to a spiritual solution to life's challenges. Roger has been in recovery for over 40 years and has spent thousands of hours in service sharing his experience, strength, and hope. He has created curriculum for treatment centers and leads workshops and retreats throughout the United States and Canada. Roger is a spiritual director and offers insight into spiritually-based living skills that are relevant to all people, whether in recovery or not. Tonight we're talking about carrying the message. And the step, as you know, probably know, um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, tried to carry this message to other alcoholics when we're not doing that, practice these principles in all our affairs. So it's an awakening. It's not an experience. An awakening is an ongoing process. So I'm not saying I'm fully on and engaged 100% every day, but I'm awake into a new life and a different frame of reference. Like when we start out in, in, our, in our early recovery, our frame of reference is from a pretty dark side. You know, we've got a lot of failure. We've got a lot of shame. We've got a lot of guilt. And <clears throat> a lot of bias. You know, the, the first step says, Self-reliance is the problem. Self-reliance is what failed me. And if you think what self-reliance is, it's reliance on this idea of self, of what I think of me. When you look at that, you realize that all the ideas I have about me were given to me. And they produced a self. Um, it's what I call all the time when we're talking a false self. But the reason this doesn't work individually on the basis of willpower is because self-reliance is the problem because the self that we're relying on is fake. It's not real. And we know that by the result, by the results we get, but until I can start seeing this in a different way, nothing's going to change. So that generally starts with the concept of powerlessness and grows out from there. If you've done this, it, it has it has discomfort attached to it. It has pain. It, it has a kind of suffering, but it's a different kind of suffering. It's the suffering of letting go of the old idea in order to embrace a new idea. That suffering has a beginning, middle, and end. And what comes out of that is always growth, insight. And my character starts to change long before I know it. Okay? So... I go through this process of attempting to begin to re retrieve the truth, the truth about me, who I am, what I'm really based on. As long as I identify with my thinking, as long as I think that self is me, I can't do anything about it because self can't help self. When I'm trying to do it on the basis of self-reliance, I'm doing it on the basis of the problem. That's why it doesn't work. 
So we slowly get this perspective, I am not my thinking. If I can observe that my thinking is goofy, but I'm not it, my thinker is a liar. And it's predicated on all kinds of distortions and poor ideas I got along the way. Some were given to me and later on, I got pretty good at creating my own. So there's a shared suffering there. There's, a, a, there's a, an instrument called a crucible. In, in, in respect of gold, you're, if you're trying to smelt gold out of ore, you put the ore in a crucible and you raise the temperature until the gold separates from the ore. And at that temperature, the, the stuff that's not gold is called dross. And it bleeds off and what's left in the crucible is gold. That's exactly what the steps are doing. They're gonna burn off everything that I'm not and reveal to me who I was created to be. It's a long process, but if I've done that, if I've done those steps to the best of my ability and I get to 10, 11 and 12, now the steps are doing me, okay? And that means that I'm no longer the person I was when I started. I have transformed into a man or a woman, a person in recovery. I have transformed from going on a totally self-reliant basis to on a God-reliant basis. And, but I need to maintain that growth of that experience. And that's the continued examination of step 10, prayer meditation, inventory, 10, 11, and then 12 is the practice. So if I've gotten through that, I'm no longer the person I was when I started. That doesn't mean I don't recognize me. It means I'm operating on a different set of principles. And it's shaky because I'm new, but it's definitely there. I have now the evidence of my own experience. The evidence of my own experience that I've changed, I've been brought to a different place. Now I need to keep going. So part of that keeping going is colloquially what we call passing it on. Our whole fellowship is predicated on one drunk passing on to another. What are we passing on? What's the message? A lot of people have a lot of different versions of the message. We don't drink, we go to meetings, that's a message. Um, this is so far beyond not drinking, as any of you who've recovered know. Um, so we run into things like grace and mercy, daily reprieves that weren't based on any spiritual condition. Um, so I'm getting, this is how I develop my belief. I start out with a faith. I do this because you convinced me you did it and it worked for you. Now I'm doing it and I'm getting results. So it's no longer a theory to me. It's an experience. I'm having an experience with it. So when I go back to my toolkit to deal with a resentment or a fear, I go back on belief. I don't go back on faith because I know it works. Okay. So now comes the question of passing it on. I don't want to do that, frankly. Um, so I'll tell you some stories about passing it on. I think for me, the big message here is we do recover. We recover physically, mentally, and spiritually. 
And that keeps the doors open for a whole new life experience. Um, and it will deal with fear. It will deal with relationship problems, relationships with people, money, sex, the cops, the doctors. It'll deal with all that stuff. But if I can't recover physically, mentally, and spiritually, I got nowhere to go. And it's an interesting proposition because it says in the book, it says, first we we begin to recover spiritually and then we straighten out physically and mentally. And that wasn't my experience. I thought it wasn't my experience. When I figured this out, I realized it was my experience. I was drinking against my will and I was drinking to die. And the night I gave in, it was, I'm done, I'm toast, I can't do this. I didn't know what it meant. I'd read the book several times drinking, didn't help. But in that moment, I knew that was the truth. And when I look back in the interpretation of my story, it appeared to me that I straightened out physically first and then mentally. And then I got into the recovery and straightened out spiritually. I don't want to be the exception of the rule, so I had to figure out what that meant to me. Here's what I came up with. When I said, I'm done, I'm toast, I can't do this. That was an acquiescence to the truth, capital T. There was no equivocation. There was no debate. There was no except or when or but. And that truth is synonymous for a higher power, capital T. So it turns out I did begin first spiritually. Second was the physical detox. And third was the recovery. So I get done with this process. And it took me a while because I sponsored myself. And it's a tedious process. Um, it was exact. It was exactly what I needed. I don't recommend it to anyone that I work with. <coughs> but you can try it if you want. So you get out the end of this thing. I didn't know I had changed. I'd been in A about a year and a half, and I finally made a decision to go for it at about a year. And it took me about six months to work myself through the book the way they laid it out instead of the way I interpreted it. And evidently, I changed. And it was a totally unbeknownst to me that I changed. But in a year and a half of being in these two meetings, no one once ever asked me to sponsor them. And after I went through these steps, was the first time anyone ever asked me to sponsor. And I'm going, oh, shit. I know what the right answer is, but I don't want to do this. Because why? One, I don't think I'm ready. If God puts someone in your lap, you're ready. Two, I don't want to waste the time. Right. So the conversation went like this for basically 40 years. Can I talk to you after the meeting? Yep. Okay. He said, I suppose I should be honest. I said, that'd be a good starting point. He looks at me and says, I don't like you. You should know that. And I said, well, I don't like you either. So what's the next thing? Because I don't have to like you. My old man used to say it to me all the time. You don't have to like these guys. You just have to love them. So then he goes, uh, in in the first maybe 10 years, they were all felons. And uh, they, the conversation was, I'm on paper, if I violate 
I got to do 20 and I'm not doing another bit. And I, uh, I know I can't make this on the basis of just not wanting to go to prison. And I will kill myself before I go back there. And I've been listening to you and I think you're really doing this and I want you to help me. And I look at him and I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Take you through the book. And every argument you have, we put on the table and we discuss it. We discuss it until it makes sense to you. And then you agree to try whatever it is that's being asked of you. Not to believe it, just to try it, okay? And so to begin with, you have access to me 24-7. Call whenever you need me. Call when you don't need me. You know, um, and in the beginning, these guys are crazy. So it's sometimes you get four or five calls a day. So that's how it started. And I ended up sponsoring a bunch of gay guys that all died of AIDS. And, and every, what you'll find in this, everybody you try to help will help you. You'll learn something from every one of these situations and personalities. And it helps me get a, a library of experiences to have a better idea how to approach you. So this is going on and on. And what I found out, especially with the gay guys, but the felons too, because everyone was an atheist, which is perfect because there's a line in our book that talks about there'll be a point where your darkest past becomes your greatest asset. And that's how I'm finding out how and why I got sober the way I did, because all the men that have come to me over the years have been like I was. But lost pissed off, angry, atheistic, and uh, clueless, right? Intolerant, belligerent, defiant. So I got a lot of experience with that. So there's, there's a bunch of things in the book. Chapter seven is all about how to do this. And I always encourage people to study that, not read it, study it. It tells you, yes, how to work with someone. But more importantly, if you're new, it tells you how you should be worked with, how you should be talked to, what the sponsor-sponsee relationship looks like. You know, there's not a, I've never fired a single guy. I don't believe in that. Alcoholism fired a bunch of them. I've had guys um, hunting me. I've been on kill lists. <laughs> I've been chased around. Um, I've had suicides. I've had guys kill themselves. And I don't know what the difference is. I know that one of the differences is you have to be willing to give yourself to a higher call. And everyone's not willing to. Some people are willing to talk about it. Some people sound really good, but you'll know when you get into the steps, because as soon as we get to to doing something like step four, we're going to find out where you're at. And I'm not going to waste my time convincing you. I'll explain it to you. But my job is not to convince you. If your alcoholism hasn't convinced you by now, you're not going to be convinced. So I just got distracted. I let someone in. Hey, Mike. So it tells me how to work with you. It tells me 
to lay out my story, what I was like. Then it tell, I'm looking for a response. Because if you're not an alcoholic, you're not going to identify. And I'm looking for that identification because I want to be convinced that I'm dealing with an alky before I invest hundreds of hours or any hours, frankly. So I get him to ask me, what happened to you? And then I get to explain to him. The metaphor in the big book is uh, we laid this kit of spiritual tools at his feet. Imply now he has or she, he or she has to make a decision to bend down and pick up the kit. And as soon as that happens, it's incumbent upon me to offer my aid to show you how to do this. Now he may say, or she may say, no, I want to find someone else. Fine. You can talk to me while you're looking, or I can give you some names, or I can introduce you to some people at the meetings, but don't do this alone. But usually they want you to do it. So we start down this path, and it's not about ownership. It's about sharing the path. It's about sharing our lives. It's about communion. It's about unity. So some of the gifts that have come out of that is my ability to listen is much better. My ability to hear is better. And I've learned to listen for what's not being said. And that's important, too, because it points you at different questions, right? I've learned more about love. This is for fun and for free. You know, there have been several times that I've invested two, three years, hundreds of hours of working with a guy, and then he just up and runs out. No explanation, no conversation, no nothing. And that stings. It stings, but you learn, not my business. It's not my business, and fretting about it isn't going to change it. So there's another lesson in acceptance. Got it? So we try and establish some communication, and we do it in the beginning through the lens of our suffering. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And then I convince you with my testimony that I'm not there anymore, and I want you to ask, how did that happen? And so we, we start going through the process. And there's another kind of guy, man or woman, you run into that wants to want to. They have a great talk about how bad they want to get sober and how they're willing to do anything until you ask them to do something. And then they balk. Um, I Like one of the things I say is I'd like you to show up at my home group. I don't care what other means you're going to, but show up because I want to be able to look you in the eyes. Oh, sure. You know, and then it's like, uh, you're missing meetings. Why, what are you doing on home group night? Well, I had a birthday or I had a, I went to the hockey game or I went to the football game or I was watching Monday night football. And I said, you know what? The next time you want to drink, you should call the Vikings. See what they're going to do for you. And it's, it's smart assian in a way, but it's also the truth, you know? You're, you're telling me you want to get well no matter what, except you're not willing to be uncomfortable to do it. That is bullshit. Sorry, it just is. And I, my job is to help you see that. Not to put your nose in it and shame you and berate you, but my job is a mirror. I hold the mirror up and I say, that's interesting. 
What principle is that? How does that correlate with your desire to do anything, right? I just got to help you look at the truth of it. And then you're going to decide, am I going to stay or am I going to go? And there's many points along the way that happens. You know, you get down, get some recovery, get some years, and, and those relationships evolve. You know, in the beginning, of course, I'm saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. Then as we evolve, then it's walk with me, walk with me. And sometimes I'll say, you take the lead. You, tell, you, take, you take me through this and you tell me, dissect this into the principles and what are the right actions and stuff. And, and then sometimes there's I walk behind you so I can kick you in the butt. But it's, it's all different phases of things. It takes time. But the, the trap is around that 10, 12-year mark, you start thinking you know everything. And you become unteachable. Sometimes it starts around five years. Get some success, and I start thinking, I'm doing pretty good. I'm kicking butt here. And the I, 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 me, me, me starts coming in, and that edge has gone out. None of this happens without the creator's power. We're not changing us. God is changing us. I have to get in front of the right questions that liberate me from the addiction to the false self. Self-reliance, right? And it's a process. It's a lifelong process. It's not something I do and I get done with. And when, when I would hear that when I was doing it, I'd think, God, it sounds like a life sentence. But once you get into this and it keeps yielding and yielding, you just want more. If you've had this experience, you want to give it away eventually, right? Here's what willingness, willingness, this is what, Francis talks about with self-sacrifice and dying to self. I have to put you ahead of me. That's really therapeutic for a selfish, self-centered person because it's not natural, is it? So what happened was I had all these knuckleheads that I was working with. They're just crazier now. And I started caring about them in a way that I didn't when I started because I knew the story. I knew the backstory. I knew about the sickness, I knew about being ostracized. And uh, what came up in me was compassion and empathy, forms of love, forms of love. And I know, and you know where you're weak in the book. And I know it's gonna take me about two months to get you to this point. So I start studying so I don't give you poor information and have no experience with it. I can't be asking you to do something I'm not doing. And I may be doing it. I might not have much ins insight to it. So I want to go deeper. So my desire to help them enriched me. The, uh, it's the, uh, what's that? So, uh, it, oh, it, here it is. I read it a while ago. This is, this has been popping up a lot in my life lately. So this is about, it, this isn't about 12 step, but it, it fits it perfectly. What I was just talking about. So I go to help thinking I'm the benefactor. Going to help Reiner. He needs help. Right? But I invariably find that I'm being helped and liberated. I'm saved by those I go to help. And both of us are then saved in spite of ourselves. It's the sick helping the sick, right? 
there is a mysterious third that's doing the saving. That's the God idea. Always in our actions, we have to carry the creator in the front of what we're doing. Otherwise, the ego starts to get in the day. I'm getting guys. So, you know, there's meetings in town you go to. And uh, they got the sponsors sit at the head of the row and all the sponsees in a row. You know, they're not like pelts. They're not like scalps. They're not like trophies. They're human beings. And you know this from being around. There's all kinds of sponsorship. I don't want all kinds of sponsorship. I just want the big book sponsorship. And that's predicated on love and patience and kindness, compassion, empathy, and relationship with God. That's what I'm trying to pass on. A living experience. So here's a couple of things. I'm not, I'm not, there's the guys I sponsor on this meeting. They'll vouch for you if you need it. But I never tell a sponsor what to do. I'm in, in all the meetings we've done for 15 years here, I never tell anyone what to do. I'm just telling you what I've done and what I found. And it, then I add the asterisk is if it correlates with something in the book, then you can believe what's in the book. If it doesn't, you might want to ask some questions about it, right? So this, this thing about being a sponsee's higher power, this is how it blows up. When you have a personality, kind of a cult-based sponsorship system, uh, you have guys telling people, when they can switch jobs, when they can buy a new car, when they can get in a relationship, when they can get engaged, when they can get married, when they can do all this stuff. And what they, it's a violation of one of the biggest covenants I have with you. My job is to help you learn to think and discern. And you can't do that if I'm calling all your shots. And you know, from being around, there are plenty of people that like that assignment of running other people's lives. But here's what happens. You're, two, three years into this thing and the wheels fall off the wagon and you blame the sponsor in AA because I did everything he or she told me to do. Took all those commitments, those meetings. I did everything they told me to do. And now my wife's divorcing, you know, or whatever. I lost my job or whatever it is. So I stay out of the business of running people's lives. I can't hardly run my own. So, couple things in the book that really state the intention. These are both out of chapter seven. This is page 98. It's not the matter of giving that's in question, but when and how to give that often makes the difference between failure and success. It doesn't say who's failure and who's success. I think it was Bill Wilson I heard in a talk. He said, every 12-step call I've ever had done has been a success because I stayed sober. The minute we put our work on a service plan, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. This service plan is not general service. The service plan is that what it's saying is the minute I start doing for you what you can do for yourself, you become Roger reliant. And that's not the point of this. I am constantly referring you back to the God idea. 
clamors for this and that, claiming he can't master alcohol until, until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, husband or no husband. We simply don't stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. That's pretty clear. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that they, a woman, they can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. It sounds so simple. First, I got to get a concept. And the way I trust the concept is by doing it, having an experience of it. So, okay. So that tells me something. Don't do for you what you can do for yourself. The other one is what I, it's on page 100. I call this my covenant with you. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. It says, I'm to walk with you day by day in the path of spiritual progress. It doesn't say, till I get you through the steps. It doesn't say, till you finally are a year sober. It says, I'm to walk with you. That means indefinitely to me. I'm to walk with you until you say no more. The sponsee controls the relationship, not me. Okay? If I persist, remarkable things will happen for both of us. When we look back, we'll realize that the things we, which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands or the truth's hands or the spirit's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you'll presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. That's the deal. That's the deal. Everyone doesn't say yes to the ride, but you will benefit from every bit of it because it builds your experience base and it builds your trust in the process. So everything I do with my sponsees affirms and confirms what I'm trying to live from. And if I'm having a conversation with a guy and I, I get that little nudge in my gut going, well, Roger, you better, you better tighten that up a little bit. You better get a little loosey-goosey with that. Okay. So it, it teaches me, too. It keeps me honest. Because the last thing I want to do is try and help someone get to somewhere I've never been. That's our great gift. I was there once and I'm not there now. And I can show you the way. I can show you the way. New episodes of The Gathering are published twice a month and can be found on Spotify and other major podcast apps. You can follow The Gathering on Spotify and others to receive monthly notifications of new episodes.